and welcome back to It Bees Like That. In case you didn't know, this past week on Friday um, was International Wheelchair Day. So March 1st of every year is International Wheelchair Day. And this year, I wanted to do a little celebration of it. International Wheelchair Day is a celebration And it enables wheelchair users to celebrate the positive impact that a wheelchair has had in their lives. It helps them to celebrate the great work of the many millions of people who provide wheelchairs and who provide support and care for wheelchair users. And who make the world a better and more accessible place for people with mobility issues. It's also meant to acknowledge and react constructively to the fact that there are many tens of millions of people in the world who need a wheelchair, but they're unable to acquire one. International Wheelchair Day is always the 1st of March and is an annual day of events and activities which take place around the world. When wheelchair users celebrate the positive impact a wheelchair has had on their lives. Since it was first launched in 2008, celebrations have taken place in Australia, Nepal, Sengal, South Africa, Bangladesh, Pakistan, United Kingdom, and the United States. And that's a really great thing for people who use a wheelchair. So this week... Um, I wanted to kind of just do an episode on the stories of people who either suddenly needed or suddenly realized that they needed a wheelchair and how it's helped them in a positive way. Because this is a celebration of positives. It's not meant for the sadness of disease or injuries or anything. It's a positive experience. So today we're going to have some fun. Um, I actually have quite a few stories, and uh, before we start on them, um, I just want to say that there's like a huge storm going on outside right now, so there's just all this whistling and creaking and all that nonsense that you're probably going to hear in this recording, Um, but everything is fine over here. My house is not going to fall down. It's just old and sounds awful, Um, but anyway, let's get into the stories. This first story is about a woman named Elaine. Um, Elaine is actually a blogger uh, because of this, which is really great. So this is going to be set up in blog style. So I'm going to literally read it and read every title that comes with it and all that. The 16th of March, 2018. Life in a Wheelchair. Elaine's Story. A few years after her diagnosis of MS, Elaine had come to terms with using a wheelchair. In this inspirational guest blog, she discusses her own journey of acceptance and reaction of others, and the positive and negative sides of life in a wheelchair. Accepting I needed to use a wheelchair was a big obstacle to overcome. The stark truth is that unless you spend time in a wheelchair, It's impossible to know how it affects every aspect of your life. People who have been forced to use a wheelchair, albeit temporarily, all say the same thing. I never realized how difficult it is. There is no user guide for either the person or the wheelchair or the people they interact with. I am lucky 
as friends and relatives have over time taken in stride and my husband John has taken on the role of carer as if he was born to it. I was diagnosed with MS in 1991 and by the mid-1990s my legs had deteriorated to the stage a walking stick was no longer any use and I really couldn't get on a Zimmer frame, especially the ones on wheels. Going out was getting harder and harder, as I couldn't walk very far, and even at work there was a problem. I couldn't drink much in the mornings, as I couldn't walk to the loo in the afternoons. So I thought, okay, maybe I should start using a wheelchair. The Reaction Accepting I needed to use a wheelchair was a big obstacle to overcome. Not only was I coping with physical changes courtesy of the MS, but I also had to make a psychological shift that was just as hard, if not harder. There is the inevitable question, why me? To which the answer is, why not? And the growing sense of frustration in the end, I had a choice take to my sofa and never go anywhere, or use a wheelchair and get on with my life. I opted for the latter, but it certainly wasn't easy. Sadly, there are many people who can't bring themselves to use a wheelchair and miss out on the rest of their lives. But that doesn't mean life is as it was before. Nothing like it. People react differently to someone in a wheelchair. There is a general assumption that if you can't walk, you can't think. People really do talk to the person I'm with or adopt a patronizing tone as if I can't understand. People also stare. I always smile at them, even if it resembles a rictus grin. Their reaction is then either to smile back or look away. Sadly, there are some people who are embarrassed by those of us who have to use a wheelchair. Not so children who always smile. They simply don't have a problem with wheelies, and many is the time a young child has struck up a conversation with me, wanting to know why I'm in a pushchair. I had always been very independent, so it was hard for me to accept help. These days, I'm very grateful if it is offered. I cannot work. I cannot go anywhere on my own. I can no longer drive, nor can I put my own wheelchair into the boot of a car. Wherever I go, I have to check the access and whether there is a disabled toilet. Even after checking such things, there can always be an unplanned for hazard, just waiting to catch me out. Perhaps there is a door that is too heavy for me to open, or a ramp to be negotiated, and ramps are always steeper than they look. John and I realized many years ago that spur-of-the-moment trips can no longer happen. Our key to a successful trip of any kind is planning. Planning and more planning. The negative side. Life is tolerable in a wheelchair. After all, what choice do I have? But it couldn't be so much better. It seems to me that a person in a wheelchair is rarely consulted about their needs and many people are guilty of not being bothered. It's only a disabled person... Others don't think things through. A classic example was my local bank, which for many years had a big step up to its entrance and a prominent sign saying, For disabled access, inquire within. The positive side. There is an occasional advantage to being in a wheelchair. 
For instance, I am never without somewhere to sit. I'm always amused when someone says, take a seat, and realizes what they've said and starts to go, um, what I meant was... <laughs> One day, I arrived at a meeting to find that all the seats were taken. My colleague fetched two chairs. I asked her who the second one was for, and she said, it's for you. I forgot you're in a wheelchair. <laughs> what a compliment. People who see the person beyond the chair are to be treasured. The bottom line. So how does it feel to be disabled, to need to use a wheelchair? No proper life, no fun, right? <laughs> Wrong. What you need to understand is that it is not necessarily being disabled that prevents me from doing things. What limits me, apart from my day-to-day -day health, is, for instance, which buildings I can get into and which friends' houses I can visit. Being disabled does not define my personality. It does not mean that I am permanently miserable, and I still have the same lively sense of humor and enjoyment of the ridiculous as I always have. I am so much more than a woman in a wheelchair. And if you enjoyed reading this blog post, you can visit Elaine's website where you can read more about her life with MS. I will be having that link posted below this episode, um, along with all the other links for all of my resources, as always. So, Elaine's story, it was the perfect amount of truth and human, I think. She definitely wrote it in a very human way. She she didn't take all of the bad stuff and just throw it away and say, no, no, everything's fine. But she also didn't just dwell in sadness. She found a way to have that balance. And honestly, I think that that was an extremely well-written blog. I've actually read a couple other of her things that were actually on her blog. And, uh, wow. <laughs> she has a great outlook on life and outlook on her condition. So if anybody else wants to read any of her stories, please feel free to follow that link. I'm even going to label it. Sorry that there's all kinds of, uh, sirens and stuff out. Every time it rains, we get, like, tons of ambulances. I don't know why. But, anyway, we are going to move on to Nicole Sharon's story. In 2008, a rare winter storm buried Portland, Oregon under more than a foot of snow. The city was gridlocked. Nicole Sharon was stuck in her home for eight days. Many people would consider that an inconvenience. For Nicole, whose muscles are too weak to support her body, those eight days were potentially life-threatening. Born with spinal muscular atrophy, a genetic disease that progressively weakens the body's muscles, Nicole is fully reliant on a wheelchair and full-time caregivers for most routine tasks. Being alone for eight days was not an option, so Nicole signed up for Ready Now, an emergency preparedness training program developed through the Oregon Office of Disability and Health External Icon. The most important thing I learned from Ready Now was to have a backup plan in case of an emergency situation, she said. When I heard the snowstorm was coming, I emailed all my caregivers to find out who lived close by and would be available. 
I made sure I had a generator, batteries for my wheelchair, and at least a week's supply of food, water, and prescription medication. Nicole said the training was empowering and reinforced her ability to live independently with a disability. She felt better informed about the potential risks people with disabilities could encounter during a disaster. For example, clinics might close, streets and sidewalks might be impassable, or caregivers might be unable to travel. Among the tips Nicole learned from Oregon's Ready Now training are develop a backup plan, inform caregivers, friends, family, neighbors, or others who might be able to help during an emergency. Stock up on food, water, and any necessary prescription medications, medical supplies, or equipment. Have enough to last at least a week. Make a list of emergency contact information and keep it handy. Keep a charged car battery at home. It can power electric wheelchairs and other motorized medical equipment if there is an electricity outage. Learn about alternate transportation and routes. Understand the responsibilities and limitations of a first responder. For example, members of your local fire department and law enforcement office during a disaster. This training shows people with disabilities that they can do more than triage their situation in a crisis than anyone else can. She said, Ready Now encourages people with disabilities to take ownership of their own care. When I was doing my research, I did see that Ready Now is like, they really have all of the advice for people who are in wheelchairs or who are just disabled, um, just disabled, whatever. Um, but they really have helped tons of people to be able to survive during an emergency. I mean, that's like the number one most terrifying thing is the fact that during an emergency, what if it's only you? Well, it really seems like they have flushed out exactly what needs to happen to keep somebody prepared and ready to go for an emergency. And you know, that's not something that you think about. I mean, we all know that there's caregivers for people who need it. But then what if there's an emergency? I mean, those caregivers, they might have like family at home or something. But they need to be there to help out the person in the wheelchair. Like, that is just... Those are hard choices that people need to make. So, I just want to put it out there that thank you to every caregiver that has ever had to make that choice and was still able to help out the person that they were caring for. Thank you for caring about somebody else and for constantly helping them to just live their life normally. I've met some really wonderful caregivers in my life that they just, they had hearts of gold. Um, I mean, obviously you're going to find some that aren't great, but some of them, they care so much and they would spend as much time with the people that they're caring for as they would possibly need. So thank you so much to all of you. You are essential. This last story was another blog post that I found written by Kendra. Um, she runs her own blog about living in a wheelchair and still continuing to travel and do all things that she likes to do. Um, and her link will be posted at the bottom of this episode. And I highly suggest that you check her out 
because she is she's awesome um I did reach out to her prior to this episode um just to say hey I'm going to be posting this do you have anything else you want to add um obviously like do you want your story posted um and she has not answered yet but she also hasn't seen it so I might pick this back up next week but we will see what she says so now Kendra's story her story is called on a journey to rediscover travel after a spinal cord injury as a wheelchair user although there are many travel guides and blogs online there is severe underrepresentation regarding traveling as a wheelchair user especially traveling as a new paraplegic after a spinal cord injury while I'm new to wheelchair traveling and still fairly new to wheelie life in general, I can offer a fresh perspective on the trials and tribulations of traveling with a SCI or spinal cord injury, rediscovering my freedom and new sense of self en route. Spinal cord injuries are highly variable, and the aftermath is different for everyone. I can offer the my side of the story as a young active, full-time wheelchair user. Learning things on the fly, or roll, and adapting to this new way of life. Working to compile information on wheelchair-friendly adventures, educating the public about living with a disability, as well as promoting advocacy and change for persons with disabilities. In what seems like both yesterday and a lifetime ago, I sustained a T10 complete spinal cord injury in a recreational accident in March of 2018. This event forever truncated my life into a clean cut before and after. It is akin to being reborn into an alternate dimension. One where I felt fundamentally like the same person, even though now I interacted with the world and it with me drastically changed. The hardest thing for me to deal with is the loss. The loss of spontaneity, the loss of my sense of self, and the loss of so many activities I used to enjoy. I had plans to go survival trekking in Nepal, to do my 300-hour yoga teacher training in India, plans to hike Machu Picchu, and plans to go surfing in Sri Lanka. In the initial weeks after my injury, I have vivid memories of crying in the hospital, mourning all the places I would never be able to explore, and all the adventures cut short. The single biggest resource of inspiration and hope for expeditions to come has been the wheelie community around the world. Social media has a bad rap for being negative and insidious. It helps me so much in dark days. To see other people transforming tragedy into triumph, following their dreams, and making things happen, it reignited my sense of wonder and the spirit of adventure come alive again. Seeing people conquer what they were told was impossible and showing me we are never alone in our struggles. 
The only way to make a more inclusive travel experience for all is to be seen and be heard. There is general level of ignorance to overcome in public society regarding social perception of lives with disabilities. While it is light years ahead of where it has been, there is a long way to go. Just because someone gets around differently doesn't mean they don't have the same sense of adventure and need to see the world. Personally, travel has been my single greatest source of education, as well as the biggest facilitator of growth and transformation. Travel is a form of therapy, and travel is right for all. The biggest obstacle is a lack of information and awareness. It is ridiculous that in our age of information, it's tough to find reliable and standardized accessibility information. I am a bit embarrassed to admit wheelchair accessibility was never something that crossed my mind when I was an able-bodied person. It was definitely an out-of-sight, out-of-mind mentality. I had no direct experience with disability. And this has been a huge learning curve for my family and friends, and me. A lot of the time, simple solutions can go a long way into creating a fulfilling and dignified experience for all. Universal design is equal access for all. Every single person will be affected by disability in their lifetime, whether it be due to injury or aging or acting as a caregiver to a loved one. The only sure thing in life is that we will get sick. At some point, our bodies will become weak, and one day, we will die. This will happen at different rates for everyone, but it is the one thing that no one can escape. I will be using this blog to help disperse information to assist those traveling with mobility issues. People with disabilities are the largest minority group in the world, and the most underrepresented and or misrepresented group. Keeping in mind what may work for me might not work for everyone. Everyone has different levels of ability, care needs, assistive equipment requirements, and financial situations, as well as general level of comfort or ability to be lifted and carried to work around access barriers. The biggest takeaway point is that everyone's individual level of ability and comfort is different. I will do my best to be inclusive as I can regarding accessibility information. This way, you can make informed choices to suit your own specific requirements. Although I've given up a lot due to my injury, I refuse to let it take my sense of adventure. Although I have to do many things differently. I am blessed to live in an age of technology and information, which will enable me to live the best life I can for as long as I can. Tomorrow is never guaranteed. Returning to travel has always been a non-negotiable for me. Although I will not be survival trekking in Nepal or surfing Sri Lanka anytime soon, 
I have renewed confidence that these experiences will one day be possible and that I will be able to travel the world solo again. It will be baby steps for a while until that point, especially due to the coronavirus situation around the world. Although my plans and everyone else's were interrupted by coronavirus, ventures will be close to home for the foreseeable future. But this downtime will allow for lots of time to compile information and plan future escapades. It will not be as easy as it was before my injury. Literally booking a plane ticket a few days before departure, booking a hotel or hostel for the first two nights, packing a backpack and leaving for months, figuring it out on the way. But with planning and ingenuity, I will find my wanderlust again. Here's to all the adventures to come. And that was Kendra's story. Um, that one gets me right in all the heartstrings. Uh, because just like the first story, it's so human. Like, she doesn't hide the issues that she is having. And she doesn't hide her heartbreak or her pain. But she fights through it. She she works hard to try and get through all of her issues. And I think that that is a really inspiring and wonderful thing. Um, finding your wanderlust, finding your sense of adventure is hard enough for somebody who just wants to go out and do it by themselves. I mean, that's, that's just hard. But wanting to do it once you're in a wheelchair, being able, is what I should say, being able to do it in a wheelchair, that, that is bad bitch material. Like, that is an incredible and strong thing that just some people are able to do. And and I respect her. I respect that. I respect everybody who is in a wheelchair. I respect everyone who gets up in the morning and they continue on with their life. I respect everyone who can't. And I respect people who just don't know where they're at right now in life. Because human rights mean everyone's rights. And everyone has a right to adventure, just like she said. So, thank you, Kendra, for putting your story out into the world like that. And I hope that I do get to talk to her. Um, I'll let you guys know if there's any updates. But yeah, I, I just wanted to tell everyone, happy International Wheelchair Day. And here's to all of the positive things and the adventures that can come once someone is able to get the help that they need, like a wheelchair or a cane or any kind of mobility aid. Yeah, so thank you guys, and I'll see you next week with another mini-episode.